What you do on a daily basis creates who you are. If you want to figure out how you got to where you are right now, just look at the daily habits that you've had for the last five years. That's how you got to where you are right now. Other way of saying that is you are the accumulation of the books you read, the movies you watch, what you do in your free time, the people you spend time with. We're just an accumulation of these little micro things. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings, as always joined here by Mr. Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you as always for joining us this here fine week. How are you, Ben? Doing really well. Trying to live the best life. Trying to chase what truly matters. Yeah, it is an ongoing, an ongoing challenge, uh, but worthy. Uh, this week, we've got listener questions about the potential benefits of training in a CrossFit gym versus on your own, revisiting the fulfillment framework, which is something we talked about a couple of years ago, and how to stay present with family when you've got big things on your mind. Our workout this week, we're going to be talking about what the five factors looks like for looks like for kids. I'm excited to get into you get into that with you. And our cool down will be one recommendation from each of us on something worth watching. Let us start as we do with our warm up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think how we connect and how we recover. Are you ready, sir? Let's rock and roll. Question in our move category from, from Esther. I currently train between four and six times a week, lead quite a busy lifestyle as a self-employed personal trainer and generally take good care of myself with a big focus on health and well-being. I've dabbled in CrossFit for years, but due to where I live, I can't easily access a box. It takes over an hour to reach my nearest one. I previously made the effort to track over, but it just became too time consuming as work got busier and it was hard to remain consistent getting to classes. I now have an Olympic weightlifting coach who I've been with for nearly a year. And I also use comp train programming for my CrossFit sessions, which I do on my own in my conventional gym. But now I'm reaching a point where I feel my progress couldn't be, uh, could have been light years ahead of where I am now had I been able to stay training at a box. I also really miss the group training environment and want to be around like-minded people more often. Progress really matters to me as I've started competing, but I just don't feel up to scratch and I feel I'm falling behind the curve. I know uh, I can achieve way more than I am now, especially in skill work like gymnastics. Do you have any suggestions for fixing my training? Am I overthinking it? Should I just take a pay cut and take more time off work to travel to a box more often? Okay, Esther, uh, where I start with a question like this is what Patrick <laughs> said in our intro is we got to figure out what to make sure that we're chasing what truly matters. And from that question and how much you leaned into how much this seems to matter to you, this seems to matter. And it's not, a, a, there's no judgment on values. It's like what matters to you matters to you. I know Patrick put this in the move category, but I actually think it's something different. I think what we're going to solve for is something different than the move. This is of value to you, you being your fittest version and you train four to six days a week. You've traveled an hour each way to get to a gym consistently in the past. You've hired an Olympic lifting coach. You follow comp train. This is a big part of who you believe you are and a big part of how you believe you can become your best version of yourself. You also seem to think, and I agree with you, that training in a gym will get you farther than training by yourself and that you're, you seem to be missing and you feel like a little bit of... Um, 
angst, regret, whatever it might be that, ah, uh, if I had only. So I think it's worthwhile for you to try this for a while and see if that you can um, see the gains that you're hoping to see and, and commit to this gym, even though it is an hour away each, each direction. But your question of like, is it, should I just suck it up and take a pay cut? I think is actually the conversation we should have. I don't think that you need to suck it up and take a pay cut. It, we're in such a different environment. This is not 1982 that you're driving an hour each way to and from this gym. The, you can, it's just the way, it's the world that we live in now. Those, that two hours, that hour there, hour back can be productive work hours. You can work in the car while you're commuting. It's just not, you're not going to be on the floor working with your clients. But it doesn't mean you can't be working with your clients. You can be having phone consultations. You know, you could be doing nutrition coaching. You could work with people during those hour to an hour from. Or you could use that time to educate yourself to create greater value for your customers and charge more during the hour that you are with them. Or you could use that two hours every day. How amazing would this be? Two hours carved out every single day for you to work on building a better business, reworking the model. Maybe you should be working, doing group classes, group, small group training. Instead of working with one person and charging $100 an hour, you work with four people and you charge all of them $60 an hour. You just went from $100 an hour to $240 an hour. Same hour, same amount of work. So to me, I think you can have your cake and eat it too in this circumstance. I think that you can drive to the gym, get all the gains that you want to get from working with a group, and I think you can increase your earning potential. Yeah, I love that. And I would just maybe double down on what you started that with, which is, you know, try it for a while. I think we got, we often get trapped into thinking like, if I make this decision, then I can never get out of this decision. But the truth is for Esther, she could say for the next six months or for, if we want to look in business, like for Q4 and Q1 of, of this year going into next year, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this decision. And in at the end of you know six months from now, I will make the decision based on this criteria and this criteria. Did I actually make less money? Or to your point, did I find ways, did I, did I create opportunities that actually allowed me to make more money? Or not or or and did I get fitter? Did it actually solve the problem that I think it's I, I need so it to, to solve, which is I'm not getting the gymnastics coaching, I'm not getting the environment, I'm not get, being pushed. Give yourself six months actually see if those two things came to bear. And if they don't, or if you moved in the wrong direction in either one of those, well, you can unwind these things. This decision is not, is not set in stone. You can say, okay, I tried that. That was a good experiment. I learned this, this, and this, and now I'm going to adjust based on what I've learned instead of, oh, I wonder if I should, I, I, I'm scared that it might happen if I do this. Well, gosh, six months, you'll get all the answers to those questions and you, and you'll be, you'll be much further on down the road. Yeah, the, uh, the the business parlance that you're uh, alluding to is um, those businesses that fail fastest grow the fastest, and it's what um, it's really it's the um, it's the Facebook methodology. They were like um, build things, fail fast. Like yep. that's just like build move fast it, and break things. <laughs> make move fast and break things. That's actually their real words. Yes, yeah. move fast, break things. Which is this? It's like don't sit and spin on the decision. Make a decision. Go test it out and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, cool. 
decision point, steer from there. You have a more data to work with than you do right now. And what we use, the terminology we use internally, it's which is stolen from um, the lean startup, is build, measure, learn. Like build, like build, meaning like you got to create something, you got to go do it. And if you if you just sit there and try to figure out the pros and cons, we're not doing anything. Build, go do the thing, and then from there. Measure, to Patrick's point, are you fitter? Are you finding more fulfillment? Enjoy driving there. Are you really losing uh, money? Are you making more money? Build, measure, learn. And the other thing that's not said in there is then iterate, change, and do the whole thing again. It's just this constant loop of build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn. Yeah, I think something I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is just the power of committing. You know, to your point, it's like you can we can create all the pros and cons lists. We can debate. We can talk. We can ask questions to people whose opinions we trust. But at the end of the day, until you fully commit, you have no idea because you don't know what's on the other yeah, side but of that it's commitment. Not fully commit, right? Because what you're saying right. is like, no, if in three six months it doesn't work. No, that's what I mean. Work. But commit yeah. to the decision for you, the next six months or really, for the next year. It's making decisions. Yeah. We just exactly. got to make decisions. The, like we're never it's we're never going to have all the information. We're never going to make this thing perfect. The way you go is not going to be, it's not binary. It's not like, oh, this was the right decision. This was the wrong decision. There's going to be gives and takes no matter what way you go. The best thing to do is just to go. Yeah, love that. Okay. Next question is from Tyler and it's in our think category. He says, just curious, since the fulfillment framework episode is now two years old, if the process has evolved for you and Ben since then, do you still take the same macro to micro approach with goal setting? Does your daily routine with checking off 20 to 25 items remain the same? Maybe just do a quick recap of what that conversation was because it was like like Tyler said a couple years ago. Yeah, so the fulfillment framework uh, basically says start with the the really high arch is what this conversation's always been about, right? Like it's a, it's a way to chase what truly matters, but also make sure that your actions are leading you in that direction. It's not just words. You're not just talking about it. You're actually walking the walk and doing the things that will move you to that end state. So it moves from macro down to the micro stuff. And the, the, the macro stuff is like your North star. Like what do we want our life to represent? What is that thing that we feel like is most important to us? And it starts with uh, like a personal mission statement and values. Um, what are the things that we really want to uh, accomplish and kind of the, the pillars that we want to build our life upon? From there, you break that down into certain little frameworks. And the way that I broke that down, it's changed over the years, is live, love, lead, and learn. Those four L's. From there, you take five little actionables for each of those. So there's five little um, weekly actionables for love, things like call my mom and dad, things like um, make sure that I'm home for family dinner every night, things like go to your kids' soccer practices and games and so on. So you put five categories for each of those, those together, five times the four different categories. You have 20 things that you're checking off on a weekly basis. They should be something that you're getting at least twice a week. Um, so it becomes a habit and then you just track that. And if you track that, the idea is what you do on a daily basis creates who you are. If you want to figure out how you got to where you are right now, just look at the daily habits that you've had for the last five years. That's how you got to where you are right now. Other way of saying that is you are the accumulation of the books you read, the movies you watch, what you do in your free time, um, the people you spend time with. Uh, it's it's such, We're just an accumulation of these little micro things. So 
That's the fulfillment framework. It, the question then is how has that evolved or changed or has it evolved and changed over the last couple of years? Um, and the answer is yes. I seem to mm. be on this uh, two on, two off little thing. So uh, we talked about the fulfillment framework two years ago, but as Patrick, you know, this is something I've been doing fairly, um, I was about to say religiously, consistently, but it's not. Uh, but in these phases for the last decade, where, um, you know, we even, you even, we, 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 did, we had a short stint where we were like, should we turn this into a business? Right. And we called it excellence on purpose. And we yeah, did it with a focus like, group, a pilot yeah. group, and we brought people together. Um, so it's something that has been at the forefront of what I believe is, um, you know, very directionally correct for me, knowing that everyone's very different. Some people like the the accountability, the discipline, um, like I do. Other people, that would be it would be a, a horrific experience. So I seem to go in these couple way couple year phases where I will track religiously. I have these notebooks that um, I have these spreadsheets that I've been tracking these things for. And I seem to go for about two years, and then I take a year or two away from them. It becomes a lot more reset, a lot more, is this really the thing? So instead of being in the weeds and um, really staring at the little, every blade of grass, I'm popping up a little bit. And I also find that this happens kind of like in transitional phases. Um, You know, coming out, the last time I did this was um, during... COVID and coming out of COVID where there was a lot of just routine, right? It was like you had a lot of, and then this past year we've had, you know, we've had a lot of change in the business um, internally and that's caused me to like not spend the time on the micro, but have a lot bigger picture stuff of like, okay, are we chasing the right? So it's kind of like I'm up higher but I'm also focused a little bit more on the business stuff than I am the personal stuff um, on purpose. Like I know where my my plate is being tipped and it's leaning a little bit, not so much so that I feel like I'm going to look back on this with uh, um, regret or um, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that much. I'm still making sure that it's balanced enough. But to get back to the question, Yes, it does evolve. Those live, love, lead, learn weren't always that either. Those started off as roles. Those start off as um, father, son, husband, coach, business owner, neighbor, friend. Like it started as that. I was like, maybe that's the way to do this. And then that evolved into um, my values, which were, um, you know, maybe I could put these things in terms of humility, hunger, health honesty. Um, and maybe I can framework them. And then inside of that, even when I got to the live, love, lead and learn the things inside that changed on a weekly basis. So always trying to figure out like, is this the right things to be tracking? Is this moving me towards my end state? So the answer is yes, it does evolve. It has evolved. It does go through phases just like us as human beings. We should not have the same value set. We should not have the same discipline practice routines, um, habits, or the way we go about spending our day 
at 44 than we did at 24. And I hope that when I'm 64, it's different than it is now today. I want to continually evolve. I want to continually say, okay, today, based on today where I am right now, not a leaf in the wind, but for sure, the chasing the North Star, but understanding I have more data points today than I did a decade ago. I want to make sure I'm using all those data points to continually steer myself towards what I think is an optimal life. That's what this chasing excellence and this fulfillment framework is all about. And let's continue to evolve it. Let's continue to change it. And we talked about this recently in another podcast. It's not discipline for the sake of discipline. It's discipline that allows you to do the things that you want to do, which is that fulfilled life. I do think that one of the things to to really think about is to your point of things changing, changing is not a bad thing. The bad thing or the quote unquote bad thing would be to stop being intentional, to stop being proactive, to stop thinking about what are my decisions? What are my actions? What are the habits that I'm building? And are they all leading me in the direction that the best I can do today is the direction I want to be going? Because you and I know, like, after, do it do it for two years, and two years later, that direction might shift two degrees, five degrees. It might shift 30 degrees. We, you really don't know. The point is not necessarily, like, am I getting this right today? Do I have the right five actionables today? And until I do, then I, I don't know if I should start. The value is honestly really saying, as best I can tell, I want to go there. What are five things? And then continue to return to those five things until those five things aren't the right five things anymore. And then you shift and you change and you, and you go and you continue. Um, and so I just think it's really worth pointing out. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. The, the, the better answer is to, to know where you're going and how to get there. The, the worst answer is, have no real sense of where you're trying to go and hope you get there. And I think the fulfillment framework is at least a hedge against or maybe natural tendency to say, I kind of want to go in that general direction. And like, I hope this is the way to do it. If a plane takes off from Boston and is trying to get to San Francisco, it's completely fine for that plane to be five miles off course. Completely fine. And it's probably going to be at a lot of times. As long as it still knows that I'm trying to get to San Francisco and by the time it gets to, you know, the coast of California, it better be within five miles. But we're so far away from that. That's a six hour trip and you're in, you know, you're 25 minutes in. It's completely fine. What we want to do is take all the data and know like, ooh, the winds are pushing me this way. Ooh, there's a plane coming at me this way. I need to go over this. It'd be ridiculous. Planes coming this way. Nope, I'm staying the course. I'm staying the course. You have to adjust to the winds. You have to adjust to the new data. You have to adjust the people around you. There's new things coming in all the time that we need to be able to adjust um, adjust course. But knowing to your point that we're going there, you know, the, the thing that this prevents against is, you know, a, a, a certain definition of hell on earth, which is working your ass off for something that ultimately doesn't matter. That to me is like, I like to work hard, but it has to have meaning. It has to have some sort of meaning assigned to it. And that's like, that's what this thing is always doing is going like, hey, you still on course? You still doing this thing for that purpose? Because if not, adjust course. Got it. All right. 
Last question we've got is from Andy. It is in our connect bucket. He says, one question I'd really appreciate being discussed is how to stay more present in the moment when you're an athlete, even an amateur, when that involves preparation of your body, mind, nutrition, et cetera, knowing that what you do each day either takes you closer or further away from your goals. This is something I really find challenging. And as a father of two beautiful daughters, six and 12, I feel guilty about when I'm spending time with them, but my mind is prepping for that evening's training session or focusing on recovering from a previous session. I can relate, Andy. Uh, it, it's probably not for me about training. It's probably more for me about um, the business. And I get it. Like when I'm, when I'm, you know, with my kids, and I find my mind drifting towards that other thing, and I catch myself. There's huge levels of guilt that come along with that because, like, I, we just had got off the conversation about like what truly matters. And I believe that's family first and that's what truly matters. And I believe in Andy's question is spot on. It's like, you know, this idea of staying present and not getting pulled to the future training sessions or the past one or try to prepare or recover from, you know, the, here's the harsh call out. And this is what I think that the role of a coach, and this is what I'm trying to do right here is coach Andy and coach myself is where your mind is going is a really good indicator of your actual values. Now that can hurt because Andy, if you're with your family, but you're thinking about how to prep for your next training session, you actually value your training more than the time with your family. That's not a knock on you. I fall for the same trap as well. And that kills me to say that out loud. But that's a reality of the situation. Your mind is going, yeah, you're here, but this other thing is, quote, more important. Let's go there. Now, I'm not saying it's more important to you. It's your mind saying that. And your mind is not you. Your mind does not determine your values. You determine your values. And there's certain things that your mind will latch onto, like the dopamine and epinephrine that's released from these hard training sessions. And your mind goes, that's awesome. Go do more of that. Whereas when you spend time with your family, that can be associated with higher levels of cortisol or stress in a lot of situations. That's not the thing that your mind's going to go like, ooh, let's go do more of that. Now, in the long term, this is why that fulfillment framework matters so much. In the long term, you're probably not going to see as much fulfillment and pure intrinsic joy from the extra 30 minutes in the gym or that extra weighing and measuring of your food than you would from the extra 20 minutes with your kids or the extra attention to being present. So what we need to do is override this biological system that's tricking you out of your true value set. And you have to create this neuro association. And what happens is when you feel your mind being pulled, when you feel yourself being triggered into those things, you need to just, you're doing it already because you're asking the question, have awareness that this is happening and go, nope, I'm not falling for your tricks. I'm not falling for that. I'm not negotiating with my mind. I'm going to tell my mind what is most important. And it's the here and now with my kids. 
And if you do that enough times, the mind goes here and now, the kids is the best thing. And it will latch onto that. We're bi-directional beings in so many different ways. When you get, here's an example of that. When you get stressed, your eyeballs, your eyeballs literally turn into cone shaped. They're, they're not perfect circles as they are, but your eyeballs actually physically change shape to be more cone shaped so you can focus on the path ahead to run away from the saber-toothed tiger. So you can focus on that gazelle so you know that you can uh, get that food. So you can focus on the fire or the enemy. Your eyes literally go from this more peripheral to this more cone shape so you have more direct vision. You can hack that the other way. If you feel stress, if you start to pay attention more to the peripheral vision, your eyes will come back here and it will sense a neuro signal to the brain Hey, we're in a relaxed state and you can switch out of this fight or flight into this parasympathetic nervous system. This is the same thing with your values. You tell your brain what is actually most important. When your brain goes, when you're kicking it with your kids and you're in the backyard and one kid is like fighting with the other kids and you're like, ah, ah, and you go like, I, you know, uh, I wonder if I should, you know, try for a PR tomorrow in the clean and jerk that we're going to do. Instead go, no, no, no. That's not about that. This is about the kids right now because I, this is the thing I value the most. It creates this habit loop that when you see your kids, you go, this, your brain goes, this is the value thing. This is the value thing. It's that neuroplasticity. We as human beings have an incredible bias towards acting the way that we think we are supposed to act. We want to follow through with our word. It's why people like have a hard time getting out of certain things like political or religious viewpoints because we have such confirmation bias. We find things that line up with the things that we already believe. Well, if you tell yourself that you believe that this time with your kids is the most important time that you could have in your life, you start to act and believe that way. It's a little bit like fake it till you make it. That's a real thing. If you believe, if you tell yourself, I'm the best public speaker that's ever, I'm just, I'm so, I love public speaking. Well, guess what's going to happen if you tell yourself that story long enough? You know, I just watched uh, this actually come up later, but watch this thing with uh, Florida football with Tim Tebow era. And he goes, he was, uh, he wasn't supposed to be born. He was like born so prematurely and his parents kept on telling him, you're a miracle baby. You're going to do amazing things with your life. You are a miracle. You're going to do amazing things. You are going to do amazing things. He goes, you know what happens when you keep hearing that you're going to do amazing things? You start to believe it. That's it. Tell yourself a story that you want to believe. Love that. I'm going to only add one little thing because it's what I think I, what I think about when I see this question, which is just remembering and I feel like I say this a lot, but it's important. Remembering the value of actually recovering from the thing that is in your mind. In Andy's case, training session, what happened last session, what's happening tomorrow. Recovery is not just a physical thing we do, right? We don't just get in the ice bath. We don't get in the sauna. We don't do active uh, you know, mobility or whatever. Recovery happens between the ears just as much. And for someone like you and I, and I'm guilty of this as much as you, is thinking about work, thinking about the thing I've got to do tomorrow or the thing I didn't get done today. Remembering that recovery is also removing yourself emotionally and mentally 
and intellectually from that space so that you can give yourself some time to heal from the stressors of the day, stressors of the work. And only in those moments of healing, in those moments of space and serenity and joy and play, do our, can our minds sort of begin to heal and, and begin to create new connections, begin to see things that we can't see if we're staring at the problem of work or thinking about that one email that I didn't like that I received. That is useful to the degree that it's useful, but it's not if it's 100% of the time useful. We need to be able to remove ourselves so that we can see things with a different perspective, a clearer perspective. And so I would just say again, to myself, to you, to Andy, we need that as much as we need to think about tomorrow's training session. We need that as much as we need to think about strategy for tomorrow and the meeting I have the day after that and whatever, and you know, Q4, et cetera, et cetera. It's just as valuable as work. Recovery is just as valuable as work. Rest is just as valuable as work. And we need to remind ourselves of that because for people like us, we forget. Yeah. The, um, another principle associated with this topic, this question is intentional detachment. So this is what happened. It, it's a real challenge for people that um, don't own their attention words that you've used a lot that have a hard time owning their attention and, or they're introducing something new and exciting into their life. And exciting could be another word for exciting could be stress. So it's, um, you have this new job, you have this new project, you have this new workout routine, you have this, whatever it might be. And what happens is your brain gets latched onto that thing and it, ends up running in the background when you're actually doing other things and you have a hard time intentionally detaching from that thing, even when you should be intentionally focused on something else. And I think this is one of the hacks to a successful life is the ability to go and be fully engaged and present in the thing that you, it's the same, like be where your feet are. If your feet are with your kids, but you're thinking about work or that toxic fight that you had, or you're thinking about the job, or you're thinking about anything other than the kids, we're not going to be able to bring our best self to that. And what you're um, leaning into is if you have that buffer in between those, because if you just go from one to the next to the next. And don't allow yourself the space to work through these things in the stillness, in the silence, in the space. Then this is going to be the necessity. As I flip from thing to thing without the buffer in, in between, yeah, like you were going 100 miles an hour. The train just doesn't stop, but you're at the next station and the train is still busting through the station instead of allowing yourself this little bit of like, okay, we're coming into the station. I need this like... We're going to slow it down. We're going to slow it down. We're going to slow it down in a transitional phase to, okay, now we're at the next station and then we're going to speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. And this is why people have, you know, you hear a lot of successful people have these transitional exercises. And I've done this a few times where on the way home from work, um, you know, I'll have all these thoughts in my head and sometimes I'll stop and we have this really nice little path and I'll go for a little walk on the path to make sure that I'm flushing. Well, like I need an extra 15 minutes here. I need an extra 15 minutes or like all um, 
Sometimes I'll be on a call on the drive home and I'm like, I'm not, this call's not ready to end. So instead of me like walking into the house with my phone on, I'll like this happened last week. I literally drove around my neighborhood for 45 minutes doing loops around my neighborhood. And it's like, that's, I want to stay fully present. This thing, I don't want to have two bends in one environment. I want one Ben able to bring the best Ben to the people around him. It's, it's one of those, like we, we've talked about a lot. It's like the multitasking thing is just such a, a farce. Yeah. Uh, last thing maybe, which is just, I think Cal, New one of the things that Cal Newport talks about is a bit, who's a writer on productivity, but one of the things he, ta he talks about, which is right in line with that. And I think about it for myself because I think the challenge that I literally the thing I thought about was like, Oh, I don't have a drive home. Yeah. I have a walk and it's right. 32 seconds before I'm back right. in the house. And what popped in my head is, one of the things that Cal Newport says, which is like, even if you work at home, build in the habit of what he calls a shutdown routine. Mm -hmm. And part of that shutdown routine is maybe you walk around the house two times and that is your commute home. And that is the, like the space it. you give yourself. And I love that the number of times I go in there and I'm only going in there, not because I finished anything in here, but because it's time for me to go in there and I just bring whatever. And I'm, I'm just not there for 30 minutes. I'm not yeah. there for 15, 20 minutes. And so I love that. Just that reminder of, be in one place at once. And if you need that transitional period to go from, you know, work to family, give yourself that space and that time to decompress and to transition from one way of thinking, one mode of attention to the other. Yeah. I'll, just to give a really concrete, actionable tool for Andy that will give him that exactly that shutdown routine that we do with a lot of our athletes is why they have a training journal. It's not to write down five sets of three at 185. It's to go... Hey, didn't really have it today. Today was really sluggish. I think that maybe next time I should X, Y, and Z. My nutrition is this. And I think that next time maybe I'll do this. And all of a sudden you've got it. You've done all those things that are like, just kind of like carrying over and lingering into the other aspects of your life. You're creating the space instead of it dripping into the next eight hours, you're spending eight minutes to actually just empty it. Right. Okay, we're gonna move on from that. We're gonna have a conversation in our workout this week about how to bring or how to think about the five factors of health specifically for kids. But first, a quick word of thanks to one of our sponsors this week. Go to oneskin.co and use the code EXCELLENCE15 to get yourself 15% off your first order of their skincare supplements. We talk often here on the show about health and wellness, but have you considered the importance of your skin health in your overall routine? Our skin isn't just the outermost layer of our body, it's actually the body's largest organ. You're focusing on your fitness, you're eating well, you're taking care of your mental health, but are you giving your skin the same attention? Well, you can with One Skin. One Skin has become part of my morning routine ever since they came on our radar a few months ago. It's a simple, effective way to take care of my skin, and I recommend you do the same. OneSkin's products are all powered by their revolutionary OS01 peptide. This peptide is scientifically proven to target senescent cells, which are a central source of skin aging. Their scientists have shown that it can actually reduce the biological age of skin by several years in their groundbreaking research. Healthier, more youthful-looking skin doesn't just look great, which we all want, obviously, but it's good for your overall wellness too. After all, your skin is more than just a barrier. It's a reflection of your overall health. So my friends, why not make skin health a part of your wellness journey with a science-led approach? Head to oneskin.co 
and explore how their product can become your skin's new best buddy. For a limited time, you can get 15% off one skin with our code. Just use excellence15 at checkout, oneskin.co. Use the code excellence15 for 15% off. Take care of your skin, take care of your health, and age healthily with one skin. Life force. Do you want to take a more proactive approach to your health and wellness? Then look no further than Life Force. Head to mylifeforce.com slash excellence to learn more about the first clinically proactive care company helping people improve how they feel, how they perform, and how long they live. You might think you're healthy, but how do you really know? Feelings can, can't always be trusted, which is why getting yourself a membership at Life Force could be so valuable. With Life Force easy to follow, clinically backed program, you'll have the data knowledge, and support you need to live a lo- uh, live better, longer, and truly be healthy. Your membership will bring together the data to understand your body, the medical experts to interpret it, and the tools to look, feel, and function at your best. Starting with an at-home blood draw to test 40-plus biomarkers, they create personalized proactive health plans that include the exact recommendations tailored to each member's individual biology and goals, all facilitated by a convenient digital experience. Their programs are designed to improve performance and quality of life, so head to mylifeforce.com slash excellence to learn more and to get yourself 40% off your membership with the code excellence40, the number 40. Again, mylifeforce, L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E.com slash excellence. Use the code excellence40. I've done Life Force. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, my favorite part about it, I mean, it's a silly thing, but they actually just come to your house. It was that, just like a wonderful thing. Blood draw yeah. is not like you pricking your finger. They no. send a phlebotomist, which is yeah. a person that does blood draws, to your house, and they do it in your house. Yep. It's like everyone knows that you're supposed to do this fasted. So talk about like yep. it just like makes yep. it so much easier. Um, but also through the supplement recommendations and working with the coach, I actually I really believe. Uh, and what they said in that read is what you said in that read is really, really important, which is we rely so much on how we feel. And that's a huge indicator. But like this is one of those things that like we all like people listening to this show, everyone should do this. And it's so cool. You don't need to do this forever. You don't need to do it. For, it's kind of like weighing and measuring your food, right? You do it. You got such a good. You got it. Yeah. Like let, let's do this. Let's do the health panel. Let's figure out with this conversation, what are the supplements I should be taking? What are the lifestyle factors I'm missing? And it's, um, you know, I've, this is third or fourth functional medicine practice I've done. And everyone gives you a little bit something different. And there's all, this one's, they're so valuable. Let us jump into our workout this fine week. This is from uh, Patrick. I swear it's not me. Uh, I'm an elementary, so, though, here's a little hack. If you want to get a question in the show, make your name Patrick and I will notice it much better. Uh, I'm an elementary school physical education and health teacher. My school has no health program and I am in my first year and they're letting me come up with an entire health curriculum for ages, uh, for grades rather, four through six, so ages nine to 11. I want to organize the curriculum into five units, each unit being one of the five factors of health. I have heard you talk about the essential principles for each factor, but they tend to be geared for adults. Would you be able to go over some essential principles for each factor that an elementary student should be thinking about? So yeah. This is right up your alley. Oh You've got it. You, your yeah. kids are nine and 11, right? Yep. So this is like that's right exactly. up. Yep. Cool. Yep. So that's and why I was excited about this. So our kids are nine and 11, exactly this. Um, and Heather runs our kids program and runs it very much in line with the five factors every single day. The last five to 10 minutes of class is geared towards let's teaching them more about 
the the five factors of health, which as you mentioned at the beginning of the show is how you eat, sleep, train, think, and connect. Okay. How do we do this slash how would I roll this out in a full curriculum, which I absolutely love. This is like <laughs> when I hear this, if I feel like we're having the impact with this show that I want, this is the, the whole thing. The way to make systemic change is by getting a bunch of revolutionaries in the same room together. That's how you do it. It's like that's the only way to do it is get a bunch of individuals together. And that's what we're doing on this. Now, this is our best platform that we can do this, but let's share our ideas of how we can make this real change. They go and make it with their small little communities. And over time, things like this tend to like now we got a school following the five factors. Com- things compound. They take yeah. a while, but they compound. For a, a, a nine to 11 year olds, um, fourth and fifth graders, essentially. Somewhere in there. So let's go through each category. We'll do it fairly quickly and we can pause or we can expound on any one of these. Um, for the eat one, the, the principle, the grounding foundational fin- principle is um, if a man made it, don't eat it. If earth made it, eat it. That's, is it man-made or earth-made? And from there, Where I would go with it is um, I would make the whole program, I would have it all be essentially be um, show and tell and act. Like it's just like we're we're not reading books. We're we're essentially just um, showing them and then doing the thing. So what I mean by that is I would – um, Heather just did this and with the kids class, bring in a thing of man-made peanut butter and bring in a thing of natural peanut butter. One was made by man and you kind of go like, Hey, look at this, look at the ingredient and show them the, not hypothetical, show them the actual jar of peanut butter and go see how on the ingredients here, there's soybean oil, maltodextrin, sugar, and there's a third, there's a fourth ingredient as well, besides peanuts um, and salt. And then see on this other one, how it's just peanuts and salt. Well, peanuts and salt are mother earth, mother earth made those. We can, that's awesome. Let's go get, and this is these little differences. These are the differences. This is what we want to look for is like these little things. And then I would do a field trip to an organic sustainable farm and go, hey, see how all of this is being produced. This is all food as opposed to, you know, like um, the snacks that most of us are having, which are like the goldfish or the, the Ritz crackers or candy and show them how like this is nowhere does this actually exist in nature. Someone in a lab coat is making this. That's why I would focus the whole thing, not about insulin sensitivity, not about fats, carbohydrates, but literally like give them the tools to make decisions, show them the differences. Um, and then I would actually have them like show, tell, act. I would have, I would have a, a day where they're, they're making snacks, where they're making a lunch, where they're making a dinner. 
just so they can contrast that a little bit to like what they see at home potentially or what their norm is. But you're whether they make the changes or not, and they're probably not because kids don't have much control over the, their nutrition, you're at least giving them another viewpoint into what this could look like. So when they do become older and they do, they could, they have a reference point. They might've even forgotten all this stuff, but then they go like something triggers it when they're 22 and they go, wait a minute, that coach that I had, that teacher that I had, he, I remember him talking about these things and just allowed, set them up for success in a real world environment. Nothing about omega-3 versus omega-6. Nothing about um, um, highly processed seed oils, just the real world stuff. Uh, similar to the peanut butter one, Heather brought in recently, brought in a um, a thing of ketchup. This is like kids being aware of this is huge. She brought in a thing of ketchup and she just showed them. She's like, see on the back how it says added sugar? Well, see that number of added sugars and how many servings there are in one of these containers? Well, if you times the number of added grams of sugar, three times the servings, 50, there's 150 grams of sugar in this container. Let's fill that container up with 150 grams of sugar. Empty container. And you pour the sugar in and it goes almost, it goes past a third. And you go, this is what's in this container is there is this much and just have sugar in this. And kids go like, oh my God, like that's crazy. Now you don't have to go, and sugar causes hyperinsulinemia. You don't have to do that. You just have to go like, and sugar is bad for us. If we want to live a healthy lifestyle, we want to avoid added sugar. Like, okay, cool. Like, But it's the visual, real world things, not the academic things that's going to move the needle for nine and 11 year olds. Okay, first category is eat. Let's move on to the second one, which is sleep. Sleep, <laughs> most 9 and 11-year-olds have no control over their sleep. So we're not trying to actually, and even with the eat, we're not actually trying to get them to eat better because most of them don't have the um, control over that. They're not packing their lunches. They're not saying, hey, school lunches serve this instead of this. And if they did, most of them don't have the willpower to resist the Skittles and, you know, go for the, the, the peach instead of the Skittles. So it's, we're not trying to drive behavior. We're just trying to instill baseline fun, fundamental and foundational knowledge base in a real world apical way. So it's the same thing with sleep. So with sleep, while we're probably not having our kids take naps and we're probably not doing that in terms of the actual aspect, it's, it, it's, it's power just to kind of lay out some foundational things like, Hey, what we're looking for generally is where we'd love for you guys as kids to be sleeping more than nine hours a night. As you get older, we really want to keep that um, above seven, closer to eight. We also really want to, other foundational thing, try to wake up and sleep consistently at the same times. As you guys become teenagers, you guys are going to be growing and it's going to be really important and you guys are going to want to stay on your screens at night, but it's really important. We're not trying to change behavior now. But just understand that that's in opposition to health and that's opposition to back up again. Just this conversation of five factors is so empowering going, hey, it's not just, you know, my parents are fat, so I'm going to be fat. It's not just, you know, um, I have no control over whether I get these diseases or anything else. I can control my health. That's a that's the first fundamental uh, belief and be uh, and understanding. 
And then when we get to the, uh, the, the other aspects of sleep, it's just, it's really the, 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 the behavioral part, which is controlling your environment. And this is where I would just go, Hey, like we'd like for you to be in a cool, dark, quiet place. And that's it. And Hey kids, what do you think you could do to create a cool, dark, quiet place? And people go like, well, I live in the city and you know, the trash people come this, I'm saying this cause I used to live in cities happen and the trash people come and collect the trash at four 30 in the morning. Cause it's the only time that there's no cars on the street and it's so loud. It's like, okay, so how can we control for that? And you go like, well, maybe if we put on some, like, make sure the windows are shut and we like may put on some little white noise, like, um, or we put on some ocean waves. We put on some other background music, it drowns out the jarring of this in the middle of the night. Okay, but the windows are shut, don't have AC. Maybe we turn a fan on so it's cool. And, um, you know, I um, I live in Iceland and it's super bright 23 hours of the day in the summer. Okay, let's get blackout shades. And like, hey, not telling you got to go change this in your, um, you know, you have to go to your parents and ask them to do this. But I'm also saying, don't do that. Like that level of awareness, it's just that greater level of awareness. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think one of the things worth underpinning there, because I think that the tendency or the want would be like pushing on the actions, like change this, go home, tell mom and dad to do this. And I think that like, I think we run into trouble with that. But I think the, the thing that I imagine happens is, you know, I'm just thinking about like the, the CrossFit kids class there with Heather, like when you're in a position, especially as a kid, like when you've got a, when you have somebody in your life who is a role model or a teacher or a coach, or like just even like the cool uncle, you kind of want to be more like that person. You, you, you look up to them. You see like what they say weighs a lot, especially if it's somebody who like clearly respects you and listens to you and talks to you and all the, like, you've got to be the right kind of role model. But even just like, so just going home with like coach Heather was talking about this makes it so much more important. And it almost doesn't matter that coach Heather didn't say, go home and tell mom and dad Absolutely. to throw away the peanut butter. You don't need to go that far because that is ultimately what they will feel anyways, because they, they, they look up to Heather. They, they listen to Heather. They want to be more like Heather. And that's the beauty of, you know, Patrick in this position, being a teacher, being the health teacher, he's in this position to be a, that is so, that could be so empowering, right? We've all had teachers who like genuinely and completely really transform us and however the ways they do that. And so that's, that's why it's such a cool position that he's in because that's what he can ultimately do without ever, to your point, going prescriptive. You have to do this. You need right. to do this. Tell mom and dad to do this because that's unnecessary. Yeah. There's that's, those are such key, key, key points is, um, Patrick has to lead from the front. First, he has to be doing these things himself, one. Next, he has to be so engaging, right? Or I should say it has to be. The more engaging he is, which I'm saying, like, don't have him read anything. There's no reading in this class. We're just going to like show, tell, and do. That's it. Like we're going to make it so, and they're going to go like make it, oh my gosh, this class is so fun to go to. And then the, yeah. the and then from there, the third piece, which is what Heather does as well. Heather's, I'm just, I'm just stealing from Heather. Heather certainly leads from the front. She makes it incredibly fun and engaging. And the third thing she does is every week she sends the kids home with a newsletter that's very engaging. It's all infographics about the things she's coaching. And the kids just go home and it's in their bag and it's, they drop it on the kitchen table and all of a sudden the parents start to see it. Yeah. And they go, ooh, what's this? Like, like Billy, what is this that you're seeing? What is this that you're talking about? It's like, 
We're not going home and going like, hey, tell your parents to throw out the ketchup. We're not doing that at all. We're just kind of doing this constant drip, but also make sure that the drip kind of runs into this other environment. Uh, so we've done eat, we've done uh, sleep. sleep a little bit. Where do you want to go next? Train, eat, cool. sleep, move. train. Yep, yep, yep. Move, yep. Do it. Don't even talk to them. Just do like this is your chance. Like I would act like I know this is probably not a physical education course. It's a health course. I don't care. Like if your school is giving you full reins of the curriculum, you're moving. I would actually do if you have. 50 minute class or an hour long class, half of the class is moving. Half of the class is burpees and running. Half the class is learning how to squat properly. Half the class is, man, it'd be so cool. Like imagine you had this class in like in the, by year two, all the kids are, have the ability to do a pistol. Like you could get to that. Like, honestly, you could get two years to get kids to, have, to be able to do a single leg squat. You could do that. Like that's where I would go. It's like I wouldn't even go anything in terms of like what does it mean to do constantly varied functional movements before high intensity? What is a functional movement? Well, it's universal movement, universal motor recurrent patterns. It's movements that move large distance, large those quickly. And it's movements that are show up on the job site or in sport. Like they're natural yet essential. Like what? No, like no, no, no. Go and do it. Do the squat. Go and do push-ups. Go and actually run. Show them what it actually is. That's where I would like, I would go and do the thing. You just posted something recently on Instagram. I don't know where you found it, but it was like a, this is what gym class or health education looked like. I don't know. I think it was the sixties or seventies or something. Uh, And I didn't, I completely forgot about it until we just started chatting. But what, what was that? That was a, um, during John F. Kennedy's presidency, they took 4,000 schools and um, piloted this program for a few years um, in high schools. And it was essentially like putting all of the kids through boot camp. And it's, it's incredible. They're doing legless pegboards. Groups of five of them at a time are all climbing pegboards. Legless. This is like a normal, this is not lacrosse or wrestling practice. This is gym class. They're doing pegboards. They're doing pull-ups. They're doing bar dips. They're running. They're jumping over hurdles. Like this is what I mean. It's like, I would actually go and do these things with these classes. Now with the young kids, just to maybe give Patrick a little bit more, um, I would do it as the way we do it in our CrossFit kids class, teach really foundational movement patterns. How do we press? How do we squat? And how do we pull like that's, that's, and you're going to do it with like almost no resistance. It's just about the movement pattern. And then after that, it's, um, burpees and running. It's, uh, we also have, we also, Heather also works with a couple she's like, if we could get them to squat really well, jump rope and do good pushups, like we're probably on a good path. And then every workout, workout of the day, whatever you want to call it, every, we always involve running. There's always a running component every single day. There's never a loaded implement at all. It's always just body weight and always ends with dodgeball. Like that's just like the way she always structures it. But the big thing there is I wouldn't teach them about 
training. I wouldn't teach them about movements at nine years old. You know, if I was, you know, um, exercise science professor at, you know, Springfield College, then yes, I'd be talking about things, you know, in terms of, you know, physiology and um, periodization training cycles. But in this world, I'm just doing it. I'm giving them an opportunity to like get the head start actually themselves. Love that. Okay. So eat, sleep, move. Let's go to think. Uh, I would have them start with, it's not, it's not really thinking at this point. I would get them aware of language mm. of the words that they're talking. It's very Mark England stuff. That's stuff that we yeah. had had on this podcast. Um, aware of soft language, aware of uh, victim mentality, aware of complaining, um, and aware uh, aware of um, how to reframe that language. Um, so I would do exercises with them and go, hey, here's um, – somebody says this. How could you say the same thing without it being a complaint, right? Like, oh, my God, when is lunch? I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I'm very excited to eat. I am so excited to eat. We're saying the same thing. One's a complaint, focusing on the limitations, the withdrawals. Other ones, the opportunity, the excitement, and the abundance. And I also, I think the cool, I love that. I think the cool thing about that is also thinking about the constraints of like, you've only got these kids or something. You can do that throughout the movement session throughout the talking about the peanut butter and the ketchup, right? You can, which is, I think is something that you do really well. And I've noticed you do it before. Like if somebody does one of those things, quick, like quick reframe, and then right back to whatever it is you were doing. And those little drip, drip, drips, they hear it once, twice, 150, you know, that's what ends up being the voice in their head because they catch themselves. Cause what you're doing is you're introducing awareness and eventually it will be self-awareness. But first it is exterior, it is external awareness. And then it becomes the voice that they hear themselves. You know, I like that in terms of, you know, it is, it's, it's usually associated with parents, but I think teachers are probably number, teachers and coaches are probably number two. But the way we speak to our kids is going to be their internal monologue later in life. So all we're doing is giving them the chance to reframe things because they don't have that tool. We're just going, hey, you're excited to eat. Let me hear you say it. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited to eat. Cool. Move on. Like now we're on to the next thing. We're not dwelling on it. We're not doing this, but just like on to the next. Yeah, brilliant. I'm going to start doing that uh, more often here. Okay, last one we've got, connect. Okay, so the connect one, you know, connect is, is multifaceted. Connect means how you connect with yourself. It's how you connect with others. It's how you connect with um, uh, nature. So I would layer in some principles about uh, essentially like how to win friends and influence people, that type of stuff. Just like how do you ha- how do you be um, uh, an effective, productive me- member of society? Like, you know, Jordan Peterson, yes, he's um, um, controversial, but he has a lot of really cool stuff in terms of um, kids and getting them to be productive members of society and the benefits that happen. And a lot of that just happens to do with like getting people to like you. If people like you, which is how to win friends and influence people, if people like you, they get excited when you're around. If people are excited when you're around, the way they speak to you is so different than otherwise. The way people speak to you will frame the universe that you live in. Like 
this is so big. So I would kind of like lay out these like little principles in terms of the way we want to interact with people. The second, probably even bigger part of this is I would get people to understand like goals and goal setting. Cause this is the connection to yourself is like, what do you guys want? Like, and they're going to go, I want, I, I want to be a famous YouTuber. You know, they're going to go like, I want to, um, you know, be a gamer. I want to like, okay, I'm not going to change that. How do you, th- what are the ways that you guys would get there? Like, let's work backwards. This is what we do with the frame, the, the fulfillment framework. How do we work backwards from that? Cause you can wish, want, and hope in one hand and crap in the other. And you actually have something with the crap. So let's not just like wish, want, and hope. Let's actually create a framework to help you get what you want out of life and then create an accountability system of some sort to actually go like, Hey guys, maybe we're checking boxes. Maybe we're doing something the beginning of every day that gets them close to that. I want to be a famous YouTuber. Okay. So how do we do that? Well, I need to get a camera. Okay. We don't have cameras. Okay. So I need to do this. Okay. I need to do that. I need to create this. I need to create, and you go like, Maybe the first five minutes of your class is just working towards those goals. And they go like, oh my gosh, this is actually, this, this teacher is actually helping me get what I want. Like we're actually moving towards this thing. And I see that the daily discipline moves the needle. I think that that's the way, if I was to framework this curriculum, I love that Patrick starting with eat, sleep, train, think, connect. And yes, it is a little bit different than it is walking with, through with, with adults, but the biggest difference is the opportunity that you have, that you're going to have these guys for 30, 40, 50 minutes, multiple times a week, which most of us do not have. Now, the cruel thing is if you want to cross the gym, you actually do. But most of us are leaning so far into the train that we're blocking out the other things. You know, so, so far into the move category that we're blocking out the other things. I do believe that the move is the, is the igniter. I do believe it is the foundation of all the others. I do believe it has a great carryover to any other one. Um, but even us, we are at fault for leaning too far into that one. Brilliant. That was really fun, Patrick. I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, ben, I would love to continue this conversation uh, as we go because I think there's lots more to unpack. Maybe we even have Heather on uh, to join us. She hasn't been on for a little bit, so she can kind of maybe walk us through some of the more nitty-gritties. All right, we're going to jump into a uh, cool down in just a moment. But first, a quick word of thanks to one of our sponsors, a new sponsor, Relief Band. Head to reliefband.com to learn more about the number one anti-nausea wristband that quickly relieves and effectively prevents nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Relief Band is a natural fast action and will last as long as you need it. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and has zero side effects. Like I said, it is a wristband. So you wear it when you're getting on a plane or a boat or sitting in the backseat of a car with a terrible driver. Uh, in fact, Relief Band is the first of its kind because it's a wearable that does something other than measure things. It actually treats nausea. It does so by leveraging the body's natural neural pathways to block signals to the center in the brain responsible for the sensations of nausea and has been used in clinical settings and hospitals for years. If you want to cure your nausea problems fast, check out Relief Band right now. We've got an exclusive offer just for listeners. Head to reliefband.com. Use the code excellence for 20% off plus free shipping. Reliefband.com. Use the code excellence. I am 
coincidentally, Ben, I think I'm going to be on a boat this weekend. So I'm looking forward to bringing my my relief band. What are you doing? Actually, sometimes we're just hanging out with some friends and the weather's still warm enough that that's still a possibility. Um, And I usually, because I'm on boats so infrequently, they tend to wreck me a little bit. Mm. So I'm excited to, uh, to use, to bring along the relief band and see how it does. You know what, uh, for me, the biggest one there is I, first off, I love that it helps with like, um, um, chemo and stuff. That's yeah. really, really cool in certain medications. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, probably not our population, but these things could be really popular with the hangover thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a different conversation but the one that actually different affects podcast. me is as much time as i spent on boats if i am going off offshore i i get seasickness but the biggest one for me is if i'm in a car and i'm reading i yeah. can't do that i can't i can't even like really like concentrate i can't look at social media on my phone i can't have my head down because i get that sort of like car sicknessy type thing i'm psyched to try this thing out uh because those long car rides that we have to either go to the cape or go skiing those could be super productive sessions if Heather's willing to Truth. drive. Yeah, there you go. All right. Awesome. Let's jump right into a cool down. We'll, we'll maybe do this quick because this episode is running a bit long because we chattered too much. But we've got a recommendation. We're going to each give one, uh, one thing to watch on Netflix or some other streaming service. So I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, it's Netflix and it's called Live to 100, The Secrets of Blue Zones. Ooh, I, I, I feel like Heather keeps mentioning Blue Zones. It must yeah, be Yeah, so Heather's, that's this. the reason I got into it. Heather's really yep. into Blue Zones. She's read a couple of books on them. And um, when Heather gets into something, she's, uh, you know, <laughs> she goes she, all in. She's, in. she's deep in the well. <laughs> uh, if you go to the Comptrain offices, all you see are plants. And I'm quite certain because at some point, like two years ago, Heather's like, I'm getting into plants. And they're right? just everywhere now. Oh, no. 100%, like we, we have over 150 plants in our house. They're, they're amazing. They look amazing. A year amazing. ago, we had three. <laughs> we went from three to 150 almost yeah. overnight. Um, okay, so live to 100 years. Okay. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's it's called. Okay. I believe it's called live to. It's if you it, you're going to get close enough, right? You, it's okay. live yep. to 100 secrets of blue zones. If you type in blue zones, I'm sure it'll pop right up. Um, okay, so it's the over. Don't take anything as um, law. Because it's not. What he, the guy's doing is going to the different areas and going, hey, this is what these guys do. This things I've found that they do. And none of those things by themselves are the things that are going to help you live to 100. But it's the overarching and the cross-sectional things between them. Like the, he's like, you know, the Okinawans eat tons of sweet potatoes. Well, if you eat tons of sweet potatoes, you're not going to live to 100. But you go to like, okay, when you go across all of, you know, when we go to Sardinia, when you go to these places, like, what they're not doing is eating processed foods, right? It's not necessarily that they're gardening necessarily. It's that they're outside active through full range of motion squat. It's like, you got to take like everything away from the specific and go, okay, what is this thing in the bigger bucket? Like what is the bigger bucket here? And what you'll find is it's eat, sleep, train, thing, connect shockingly enough. But um, what is the thing that they're doing specifically they're doing and it's done in an entertaining way and there's cute characters in each one. So it's, it's education. It's, it's entertaining. 
I love it. Awesome. I have seen that, but I've not yet watched it yet, but I will put it on our list. Okay. My recommendation, I stumbled upon a, a documentary. It came out last year, it came out in 2022. I stumbled on it cause I was just on Instagram. Uh, and I came across his name is Mr. His name is Jason Wil- Wilson. Uh, his Instagram handle, which I recommend is Mr. Jason O. Wilson. And he runs something called uh, the cave of Adullam, which is also the name of the documentary. And this documentary, I could only find it on ESPN plus. I don't know if you can get it on iTunes or buy it anywhere else, but you can get it for free if you've got access to ESPN. So it's called the uh, cave of Adullam. I'm just going to read the quick little like two sentence blurb. It says the documentary tells the story of Jason Wilson and the transformational training academy he runs for young black boys with his mantra. It's easier to raise boys that then repair broken men. Wilson's methodology teaches emotional stability instead of discipline, setting these children on a path to become whole and healthy adults. And so it's, it's effectively just kind of this chronicling of Jason, what he's doing there at the cave of Adullam. And then it tells some of the stories of the kids inside that he is actually training. And I just, one, it was just like, it was just amazing. And it's a wonderful story. Um, but I just wanted just to give a little bit more context because it's worth watching, but it might, this might be useful context going into it. Cause I really didn't know anything Tr- truthfully. Like I came across a video that he had posted and it was a clip from this movie. And I'd spent like 30 minutes trying to figure out where I could watch it. Like, a, so I didn't have any real context to it other than this one little clip and it was totally worth it. So I'm just going to give a little sense of, um, from their website, from the cave of a website, because it does give a little bit more, uh, of a sense of what it's about, which is, uh, the cave of a is a transformational training academy based in Detroit, Michigan, where boys who are emotionally distressed, mentally discontent, uh, discontented and spiritually in debt gather here to be trained and transformed into comprehensive men of the most high. We are able to accomplish this mission through our emotional stability training. EST emotional stability training exposes the root of unresolved anger, anxieties, lack of focus and fears while teaching our students how to introspectively confront and conquer negative emotions with composure. EST's focus is to wean the soul, i.e. the emotional seat of man, so that the spirit of a man can be, can move freely and rule the responses of the soul. Instead of a belt ranking system, so they do martial arts. So instead of a bank belt ranking system, we evaluate each student by the way they live their lives in school, at home, and in their communities. We place a strong emphasis on biblical brotherhood, where each recruit is more concerned about sharpening each other instead of surpassing passing each other and so again if that sounds interesting to you it's called the cave of a oh my god i'm like i, I want to end this episode so i can put I know. it now like that's <laughs> i almost that's so and i often much. do this oh i often like we'll watch or see something and send it to you and uh, this was the the overriding thought i was like oh ben would like this um so there you go two recommendations up to my expectation because that sounds amazing it is really really good let me know when you watch it all right my friends we're gonna get out of here this episode is a bit longer than usual thank you so much for tuning in for staying with us we hope that was of value to you if it was and you are not yet subscribed or following the show wherever you are watching or listening to this please do so that you do not miss another episode ben and i will be back next week for a new episode of chasing excellence